the account of the resurrection according to Luke. Luke uh, was a very careful author of the Bible. He, he wasn't one of the disciples, uh, but he was a strong believer, and uh, he did a lot of research. He was a well-educated man. He was a medical doctor and uh, did a lot of research, and he wrote uh, the book of Acts. He wrote his Gospel of Luke and then also the book of Acts. And uh, uh, it's a glorious thing that God has given us for accounts of the life of Jesus. If you're, if you're new to the Bible, the first four books we often call the Gospels, or sometimes they're called the Four Evangelists. Uh, they're the ones who tell us the story of Jesus. They're a history, uh, a theological history of, of Jesus and his life and ministry. So if you do have a Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, and I'm going to read just a few verses. It's, the, the story is marvelous and, and awesome, so we're just going to take just a few minutes. These are the earliest moments of that Sunday morning uh, back in A.D. 33, 34, 32, when exactly we, it was, we don't know for sure. Uh, but here we are in 2018, and we're going to go back in just that first few moments and uh, how, how fresh and real the, the text is as it describes what happened. So let me read the text. I'll try not to make any comments, and we're going to come back and make a whole bunch of comments, okay? <laughs> here is the word of God, Luke 2350. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. By the way, I forgot to tell you the context. This is, this is late Friday afternoon. Christ has died. He's just, you know, beat up pulp of a human being hanging on a cross. He's been speared to prove he was dead. And the blood and the water flowed from his side and he's dead on the cross. And truthfully, it's panic time for the disciples. They didn't have a plan. They had no idea what to do. Thank God for Joseph. You know, he, he steps up and he does something. He does an amazing, beautiful, courageous thing. Because the Roman tradition was just to leave the bodies out there until they rot, until the birds of prey the, the scavengers come and eat them on the cross. I mean, you know, they're, sh they're here to show their power. They're, they're not here to uh, be nice. Uh, this was their uh, not cruel and not unusual capital punishment. Anyway, so back to the text. I forgot to tell you that. This is so significant because to go and ask for the body, and here we are in verse 52, this man... This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. 
Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever yet been laid. It, It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him, and that's referring to Jesus, the women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how the body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath day they rested according to the commandment. Now, now chapter 24. But... On the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, Two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise? And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves, and he went home marveling at what had happened. The Lord add his blessing to the reading of his word. Let me pray, Father, in your kindness, take us to this moment. Help us to feel the surprise, the shock, to be perplexed, even to be frightened, O Lord God. Your kindness, O Lord, through your Holy Spirit, speak to us and bring us to, to Jesus today. Amen. So, Let me just back up again, just put the wide angle on real quickly on the camera, and let's talk about the really big picture, what's going on here. Uh, The big picture. First of all, Jesus has been crucified on the cross. This is because he has enemies, and the text calls them sinful men. By the way, the sinful men are the most religious people in the the nation. (laughs) They were the council upon which Joseph was. He was a part of the 
Sanhedrin, the ruling council, and that's why it says he did not consent to their decision and action about Jesus. Well, these uh, enemies of Christ, they ignored God. I mean, they did this actively. Jesus is like the best revelation of God. He is God himself. He's man in the, in the flesh revealing God. Uh, I think it's John, the uh, gospel writer, says, no man has seen God at any time, but the Son of God, he has made him known. He has explained him. He has taught what God is like. So Jesus is the, he's the best teacher. Well, they, they actively ignored the revelation of God. And, and that was rebellion. It, they rebelled against God. They said, God, I don't want God. God is nothing to me. I don't care about God. And these are the religious people, right? Insanity. But this is the case. They rebel, and this led to hatred. They, they resent Jesus. They hate him. There's one thing in their heart, and that is kill Jesus. We've got to figure out how to kill Jesus. The Bible actually tells us they've been plotting this for a long time. It wasn't some urgent, you know, like, last-minute idea. They've been thinking about this a long time. They've been planning it. They've been sketching it out. They're going to display their hatred. They're going to manipulate Rome to get Rome to do their dirty work. And this led to taking life, innocent life. Now, I thought of that in terms of on smaller scales perhaps of what's happening in our culture all the time I mean God forbid right we listen to the news what's going to happen it's going to be another school shooting uh, this horror um, or, or police shooting I'm all for police believe me you know I really am but when they they gun down an innocent unarmed man you know, and they shoot 23 rounds at him. Uh, we've, we've got to come up to a solution for this problem. I, don't, I know some of you don't agree with me there. <laughs> I've had some feedback on this issue, but I just think we should solve this problem because it's, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. And uh, anyway, we have too much violence <laughs> in our world. And, uh, and it, it comes from ignoring God and rebelling against him and allowing hatred to grow, and we start blaming things. We blame races, you know? That, there must be a problem, so it must be the dark people. And we can develop, you know, grow like a fungus hatred, and that leads to, uh, in this case, taking a life in, in way too many cases. So Jesus experienced that in, in a bigger scale, bigger scale. But just contrast this with Jesus himself. First of all, they ignored the revelation of God. He is the revelation of God. He has full knowledge of who God is. And you know what that led him to? He, he submitted to God. The story of the gospel is that Jesus was perfectly obedient to the Father. It was the Father's plan to save us. Because of the obedience of Jesus, we're saved. He, he took the wrath of God for us. God's beautiful, glorious plan. And don't you love that song that said his love was poured out on us? Do you like a, a hot tub? I love hot tubs. I love liquids, you know, generally speaking. 
like coffee. It's really, really good. Now, don't, don't pour coffee on me, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but the, think of the idea of fluids. Fluids are wonderful. They, they, they move, they coat, they wash, they cool, uh, they, they get into little nooks and crannies. They, they're very fluid. <laughs> they're, they're pervasive. And I just like that feeling of he poured his love out on us. He lavished his love. Uh, the Bible actually says, it says this. It says he poured out his blood. This is his blood which is poured out for you. He gave his blood. And, and this literally happened while he's on the cross. He probably bled out. He probably didn't have, I don't know. I don't know how much blood was still in him, right? He had so many wounds and a big gash in his side. He poured out his blood. This is his submission to us. And it, it, it's love. His submission was love. It led to love and it led to not taking life, but giving life to us. Here's a kind of a picture of the enemies hating Jesus, yelling out. These are these, you know, grand poobah religious guys. You know, oh, I'm so holy. Look at me in my good clothing. Uh, and they're yelling out, crucify him. This is horrendous. Um, Jesus doesn't open his mouth. He doesn't defend himself. And, and he's the lamb, willingly submitting to the plan of God. So that's the big picture. And the why of it is what we've been singing about all morning. Why? It's for salvation. It's for the forgiveness of sins. It's so that you and I can have eternal life. Uh, this, this life is awesome. I like life. Who, who likes life? Yeah, absolutely. I, honestly, I, I shouldn't make fun of people, but just a little bit. Okay. I used to work uh, in the county hospital up in San Jose. It's called Valley Medical Center. And every week I'd go into the psychiatric unit. And I remember clearly one day I walked in there and this patient came up to me knowing that I was a chaplain and, you know, I was probably a good guy, right? Who knows? <laughs> he comes up to me, I hate myself, I hate myself. Could you buy me a Coke? <laughs> Don't, nobody sees the humor in that? I, don't know, I'm sorry. I thought that was hilarious. I mean, this has stuck with me for 30 years, people. <laughs> you know, like, I hate myself, I hate myself. But on the other hand, I'd really like a Coca-Cola right now because it tastes good and it's cool and it's very sweet and, you know, after all, my body likes it. So what I'm saying is life is so good. It's so good. And that's the big picture. Life forever forgiven, eternity with life. Without Jesus, you're still in your sin, and you will lead, that leads to death, that leads to being forever away from God. That's the big picture. Now, so I want to look at the text today in our remaining minutes together, looking at two, two people, two groups of people, actually. First, Joseph, and we're going to learn uh, that he had a buddy with him named Nicodemus, and what they did after the crucifixion. And then we're going to think about the ladies uh, to close out our time together. First of all, uh, this, this is a beautiful verse. This is from the story of Joseph. And I think it, it nails what Jesus is about. As for you, you evil, sinful people, you meant evil against me, but God meant it. Your evil action, God works through it to produce infinite levels of good. You know, that's exciting. That's how powerful God is. 
He's the sovereign God. Salvation belongs to him. He's able to produce it. He's able to produce life from death. Uh, I, uh, every once in a while, I like to think about how amazing that miracle is. We're going to think about it in terms of the women, but the fact that Jesus was dead and he comes back to life, his heart starts to beat, his lungs reinflate. The, you, know, you know, we're trillions of cells. They don't even know how. There's like 35 trillion cells standing before you right now. And should I die before I wake um, or before the brunch? You know, God forbid. Uh, <laughs> but seriously, should I die? You know what happens to, to all of those trillion cells? Every single one of them dies. I'm not just like mostly dead, like you might find in Princess Bride. I am all dead. All, every single cell changes and turns around its whole entire function. It's really quite amazing. And so Jesus uh, is dead, and he is resurrected. He comes back to physical life. He comes to the guys and says, you have some you know, fish I can eat? He eats fish. He spends time with them. Uh, we don't know all, all about that, but he says, you can touch my body. He wasn't a figment. He wasn't a spirit. He's raised in heaven as a perfect, sinless human being, fully man, fully God. Uh, you know, your problem is not that you're a human. Your problem is not that you have legs, feet, and a, you know, a, a, a bad kidney. Okay? That, that's not the problem. The problem is you're a sinful human being. And you can repent of sin. I can't repent of being a human being. I'll be a human being for eternity. But I can turn away from my sin and be forgiven through Jesus Christ. All right. That's enough background. Let's think for a minute about Joseph of Arimathea. The Bible tells us that uh, Nicodemus, the one who came to Jesus at night and said, Hey, you know, what did he say? I don't know what he said. It's in John 3, and Jesus says, You must be born again. It's in John 3. That's Nicodemus. He came with him. They show this immense, beautiful uh, love and loyalty to Jesus. As I said, honestly, it's a little embarrassing because what would have happened if Joseph hadn't stepped forward? Honestly, the guys who were closest to Jesus, except for John, they were hiding somewhere. They were afraid they were going to be exterminated too. The Bible is like blunt. It doesn't make the founders of the church look like Superman, you know, I have a, uh, a shield that bounces everything off. <laughs> you know, I'm not Captain America. No, these are guys with lots of fears, lots of sins and foibles. So thank God for Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus through their love and loyalty. They show a tremendous boldness. In fact, one of the apostles uh, says that. They took courage and they went to Pilate. You know, who wants that job? Pilate can just snap his fingers and have you killed. He just proved that. He just killed Jesus. He can kill anybody he wants. And you're going and ask for the body of Jesus. It takes wonderful boldness. Uh, several artists have tried to catch this moment. I mean, honestly, just physically difficult. Uh, Jesus is nailed to the cross. They've got to get up there and take the nails out. We don't know how this all happened, but he's limp. Uh, and they're carrying him off this beat-up, uh, dead body. Here's another kind of look at it. And then it says they took him to a tomb. 
Now, again, folding it all together, the Bible accounts, it says the tomb is actually owned by Joseph of Arimathea. He was a wealthy man. Uh, he had his own tomb hewn out. It was brand new. He was, you know, advanced planning. He's going to die someday. So he goes to the you know, cemetery and buys a plot. Uh, in this case, he hewed it out of a stone. And he, he says he has uh, a rolling stone closure, which was very special. We, have, we can see lots of tombs in the Holy Land. Most of the time, they just take a rock and kind of jam it in the hole. Uh, that's the way they close them. Still difficult to open, but this is a specially engineered rock that would be rolled up a hill, and then when it rolls down to cover the, sh the hole, gravity holds it in place. Very, very difficult to get it open. The text tells us that he had a shroud, and they wrapped Jesus. In John, it tells us they had 75 pounds of spices which they wrapped Jesus in. You kind of think when you read this, it's like, oh, they didn't have time for that or something because the ladies are going to get spices and do it. There's speculation here. But it does say the ladies were kind of following him and they watched him put them in the tomb. They watched, they, they bent down and they saw Jesus where he was laying there. They knew exactly where to go on Sunday morning. I really think they knew that Joe and Nick had wrapped Jesus in 75 pounds of these. Actually, the Greek word is aromatics. Aromatics. It's mainly about smell, right? It's not going to really preserve the body. The Jewish tradition is they put the body on the shelf, and one year later they re-enter, and there's no more body. And they take the bones, put it in a special box on a little shelf on the side. So then you're ready for Uncle... Uncle whoever, right? Johannes can be buried next time right there, right? So they wrapped him. A beautiful, loving thing to do. And expensive. 75 pounds of these special ointments that they laid out there for him. And so, really, I want to say thank you, Joseph. Thank you for being so loving and kind and loyal and bold uh, to Jesus. That was a beautiful thing you did. Yeah. Now we, let's move to the ladies, to the ladies. They, notice again, let's just look at the text. It says, then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. And it gives us this list, Mary Magdalene, Joanna, and this is not Mary, the mother of Jesus. This is Mary of James and John. And, and then it's others. They have love and loyalty as well. Others, there could have been 12 ladies. I, I think there probably were. I think there are a whole bunch of ladies. And their focus is in, you know, they, the guys were in a hurry. They did a job wrapping him. But men don't do things like that very well. Let's just face it. Uh, not like a woman would do. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going to sound sexist here. <laughs> but women do some things way better than men. I'm sorry, men. I know you're going to get mad at me. No, 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 no. You're not mad at me for saying that. You would say, right. Anybody say amen? amen? It's so true. And so the women are going to do their own thing with the ointments and the spices. And look, it says they returned and prepared spices and ointments. Here's, you know, a possible idea of them weeping and grinding in their mortise, thinking, oh, we're going to do something to love Jesus. You know, his poor body beaten to a pulp. I'm sure Joseph washed it off, you know. 
He probably cleansed it carefully as quickly as he could to get it in the tomb before the Sabbath began. Uh, but they just, oh, it, it's, they're going to the morgue and they're going to open that stainless steel drawer and see the body of Jesus they love so much. And they're so overwhelmed. And I, it's all about the spices. We've got to get there early. And I just love this where it says they, they had to wait, you know, on the Sabbath day. You see that in the text? Very last phrase of chapter 23. On the Sabbath day, they rested according to the commandment. You know, in God's timing and God's plan, there's a lot of waiting. We want something good to happen. We want to be involved. We want to fix something, and we just can't wait to do it. I'm not a good waiter in any sense of the word, you know. But to, to wait that whole... I bet it was the longest Sabbath ever. I, I just think it was. I think it's interesting that the text notes this. They had to wait, and they... What are they getting their spices together? The spices are in the bag. They can't even work on them on the Sabbath. They got them in the bag. They're ready to go. So that creates the urgency, right? Verse 1 of chapter 24. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb. And now we're going to get into some shaky faith. These women that we're thankful for, they're amazing and wonderful. There's going to be some issues here. Because, honestly, why are you bringing the spices? Was his death permanent? Did you miss something? Right? There's some... They missed something. (laughs) They missed the word of God. Listen to how how it it, uh, comes out here in this beautiful text. First, it's like I said, there's this play on words. Did I tell you that? I don't think I did. What's the state motto of California? Eureka. I don't know if it's the motto, but I think it might be. Eureka. It's a Greek word. What does it mean? I found it. Once you come to California, it's like, this is it. I'm not going anywhere. (laughs) I found it. Eureka. That's a Greek word. And that's our Greek word here. It says, they found, they discovered, wow, the stone rolled away. From the tomb. Uh, just imagine that moment, you know. Rome, Rome is the high-tech leader, the military hegemon of the, the world. And all the Roman power is, has sealed this tomb. Goodness sakes, they put a wax seal on that thing. Yep, wax seal, you know. And, and God's going, oh, fine, I don't know. It has a wax seal. What can we do, you know? God says, I'm going to burst that thing open. I'm not worried about any political power, any, any power of evil, any power of death. You know, nothing's going to stop the plan of God. His plan is perfect and inevitable and unstoppable and gorgeous. So they come, and lo and behold, the, the tomb is open, and you can imagine some bright light going on, right? It says, they went and found the stone rolled away, but when they went in, they did not find, same word, Eureka, they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. So now they're perplexed. It's this unexpected and uh, the other text tells us the clothing of 
that was wrapped around Jesus, that shroud we talked about, was right there. And another text tells us that the part that was wrapped around his head was taken off and folded and set, set carefully aside. You know, if you're going to steal a body after whacking Roman guards, you think you're going to take the time, oh, let's unwrap it. You know? <laughs> let's leave the clothing here. And let's take time to fold that headpiece. I mean, somebody put some money into that headpiece. Let's fold it carefully and set it aside. <laughs> you know? No, 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 no. You, know? you, you whack the Roman guards, and you're going to get out of there as soon as possible. <laughs> so obviously, little evidence is that there's no way. This is a, a grave robbery. So they're perplexed. And then these two men stand by them in dazzling apparel. I'm going to say they're bedazzled. And then they're frightened. By the way, there's a consistency here. Every time in the Bible that an angel appears, the person is freaked out of their mind. It turns out they're not little fat little cherubs, you know, that have little wings. They're terrifying terrifying creatures because they're the power of God. Um, and so they're frightened. And it's a beautiful we actually had on the screen that the angel said, hey, you know, don't freak out. It's going to be okay. Trust me on this one. Uh, it doesn't say that in our, this text. But there's two men, dazzling apparel. They're frightened. They bow their faces to the ground. I, I, think that, I don't know if that means they fell to the ground or if they were just like bowed over. I don't know exactly. And then the men said, uh, why do you seek the living among the dead? So let's just start with these dear ladies. They're, they're perplexed, bedazzled, humbled, frightened, and, and now reprimanded. You know, this, this is the like stunning words in the text. They're beautiful. You know, put them on a plaque. They're gorgeous. But read it. What are, what are they saying? They're saying, you guys should know better. What the heck are you doing with that bag of spices? You know, why are you looking for somebody alive in a, a dead man's place? It's a gentle, I don't think, you know, it's real harsh, but it is a reprimand. Isn't it? Listen. Why do you seek, it's verse 5, why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. <laughs> hallelujah he is risen indeed he is risen, he is risen amen hallelujah that's the gorgeous words and then look remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must there's an inevitability to the will of God Jesus had to die for our sins there was no other option for salvation it's, it's a necessity. The Greek word is day. It's necessary. necessary. Jesus must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified. And on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. There's a moment of faith for them. But, oh, but hold on, please. Just hold on. Hold on. You go look in the Bible. I have it right here. This is uh, 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 Luke 9, our same author, Luke 9, 22, saying the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and chief priests and scribes, the whole group of the good guys, and be killed and on the third day be raised. Okay. 
Now, here's the interesting part and why I said hold on like three or four times a couple of seconds ago. Every time this is said in the Bible, I think it's quoted four times, three or four times, it always says, and he said to his disciples, la-di-da-di-da-di-da-di-da. He said to his disciples, la-di-da-di-da-di-da. What does our text say? Remember how he said to you? Wait a minute. This is really cool (laughs) because... We learned that these ladies were close right in there. They were probably considered to be his disciples too, you know. And they, they either overheard or they were in earshot of the word of God. And they're held responsible for the word of God. He said it to you. You know that the, there's been a good Bible in English you know, since uh, the 14th century, 15th century, there, you have no excuse for not knowing the Bible. God gave it to you. It's there. It's available. And we're held accountable to this. It, it's almost like unfair. Wait a minute. No, he said that to those 12 guys over there. And Jesus said, no, no, no. You were within earshot. You heard too. And I told it to you. And, and that's a beautiful thing. It's kind of scary, kind of, kind of powerful, but it's true. And, and so we have this moment then of, of faith, really. Verse 8, and they remembered his words. It all came back. So, you know, they, they went from being perplexed and going, wait, forget these stupid bags of spices. We've been focusing in on how to keep his body from stinking so bad as it rots when the word of God told us that he was going to rise after three days. You know, we have no excuse for this. Why did we focus on such a stupid thing? Why were we so insistent? We should have come out here saying, where's Jesus? We know he's out of that stinking tomb. You know, I know I'm putting a lot on that, but that's what the angel says to them. Why is this important? Because God knows us. We fumble around. And we, we're humble. You know, we don't, half the time we don't know exactly what we're doing. <laughs> These ladies, uh, in, their, in their beautiful sincerity, are demonstrating to us that Christ arose in the context of the disappointing expectations of his best followers. His plan is not even hindered by their lack of faith. You know those Santa Claus movies? I like those sometimes, you know, but like, can his sleigh fly if people don't believe in the spirit of Christmas, right? No, you've got to get people to believe and maybe sing a Christmas song and then the spirit will rise and then he can fly. I've got good news for you. Christ arose regardless of our faith. And salvation is not about what you do. Hallelujah. It's about what he did. He accomplished it. And while we were muddling around thinking about spices, he saved our souls. He rose from the dead. And we we come just like befuddled. Oh, Lord God, I don't know what I'm doing. And he says, I'm going to save you by my power. And, And so there's this beautiful relief here and joy and hope and we should persevere in our faith faith is all about that we don't quite get it all but we still trust him 
None of us quite get it all. Do you think we, you know, honestly, it's a dangerous thing when you meet somebody who has all the answers. <laughs> if you meet somebody who thinks they know it all and they have some sort of like pat little answer to everything, um, that's, a, that's a dangerous person. Avoid that person at all costs. We, we should come humbly and say, Lord, I don't know. Uh, you know, Lord, I believe. What, what's the rest of that? Help my unbelief. And even in this text, as we we're just limiting it to the first few minutes and hours, the great 11, what do they do when the women come back? They have faith now. They've been reminded of the word of God. And the word of Christ gives us faith, the Bible says. And so they, they now, they believe it. We're going to go tell the disciples. Guess what, guys? Jesus is alive. He's alive. And, and the disciples said, no. no this is an, you're a crazy person. You're making up a tale. This is not true, Right? Why does the Holy Spirit tell us that? It's again, once, once again, to show us that even the be- best followers screw up a lot and need to come and confess their sin and come uh, to be forgiven and to get more information. And thank God that Peter goes running back and in the middle there, Christ actually appears to Peter. Uh, it's not recorded in one of the Gospels but it's recorded uh, in Corinthians. Um, that, and it's actually, it says it happens here in Luke uh, that Peter, sometime that day, sometime that very first day that Jesus appeared to Peter, Peter but we don't see it. That's a private, a private thing that happens. All right. So this is what I'm trying to say. What is, what is your bag of spices? What, what is keeping you from the revelation of God? What are you so enamored with? What am I so distracted by? What's making us miss the point, right? I say, let's get over that. Let's, let's repent of that. In the face of shaky faith, God still was huge. And this is the core that makes Christianity different. God is huge even when we have shaky faith. What's our bag of spices? With the grander story, our bag of spices just doesn't matter. When Jesus rises from the dead, we can drop all of that nonsense and get to what really matters. Easter is about huge levels of encouragement because we come as fumbling, inadequate people to a Christ who's no longer dead. He's alive, and he is our risen Savior. We can't be good enough He has done it all. His death was never about permanency. His death is about three days and raising in victory. The best and worst of men, the worst evil sinners, they couldn't hold him back. And the best human beings in this story who don't quite get it right, they can't hold him back either. They're saved by his great work, the master plan. So... Panic is not your friend. Getting into the wrong thing, focusing on the wrong thing, fretting and fearfulness is the wrong way. Let's trust the word of God. Let us drop our bag of spices and marvel at what God has done. Let us move from shaky faith today to stronger faith in 
the word of God. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for this accurate recording of the final, the few minutes there just before uh, they saw you, the fact that they were misguided by their own busyness and what they thought needed to happen, but you rose in victory and you, you proved, O oh Lord, that you are fully capable of doing the job you set out to do without our help. And we know that this is the great center of our salvation, that Jesus Christ is our Savior. Even when we are confused, he's a, the Savior who offers us forgiveness through simple faith. And Lord, could we move today from our shaky, uninformed faith to stronger faith that's based on your word, O oh Lord. Through Christ we pray. Amen. Amen. We're going to close.